0: which being interpreted is God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him and took unto him his wife, and knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name, Jesus. Let's pray. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus Christ that you would bless now as we speak for a moment on the topic of prophecy. Help me, Lord. Pray that you'd give grace. Help those who are listening. Speak to our hearts. Build our faith, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. God loves prophecy. Uh, Prophecy is something that God uses time and time again throughout Scripture for several reasons. Prophecy is proof. Uh, We can see over and over again in Scripture that prophecy is used where it's not just a prediction of future events in the sense where someone is speaking in these very vague terms about something that could possibly happen. Uh, But it's something that is spoken by God through a prophet foretelling future events in some detail. And God does this for several reasons. Prophecy is proof of God's existence, okay? Uh, And prophecy is proof proof of the trustworthiness of God's word, of God's message. Um, And so we're going to see that as we look at the birth of Jesus Christ. We're going to look at a few prophecies here in the book of Matthew. Now, the book of Matthew, it is, there's 53 times in the book of Matthew where very specifically it says it was fulfilled or as it was written. And so, really, the book of Matthew was primarily written from the perspective of uh, someone trying to prove that Jesus Christ was the Messiah primarily to the Jewish people. The Jewish people were familiar with Old Testament scriptures and familiar with Old Testament scriptures concerning the Messiah. So we're just going to look at a few of these prophecies in the first two chapters of Matthew. Um, But we can see, first of all, that God uses prophecy. uh, And it says in 2 Peter 1 and verse 16, for we have not followed cunningly devised fables, When we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Prophecy is proof. And when we look at prophecy, when we look and we go back 700 years before the birth of Christ, and we see some of the specific things that were prophesied, it proves that we're not following, as it says in 2 Peter 1.16, we are not following cunningly devised fables. These are not myths. These are not just uh, fairy tales. These are not uh, stories that ha- are a part of a particular culture that have been passed down throughout the years and embellished. And we know that because, in part, due to prophecy. Um and so also it says in Second Peter 1 in verse 20 and 21, Knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. So prophecy, the source of prophecy is God himself. Um, and we, again, we can see that when we see the amount of time lapse. I began to Google yesterday about precision and precision construction. And there's actually uh, construction companies that are called precision construction. And that's what you would want if something's being constructed. So then I began to try to research um, what kind of story or what kind of construction project could be said that, uh, you know, there are, it, it takes incredible precision in order to pull this off. And of course, Many come to mind. Very large buildings, right? Bridges. There's a new bridge in the San Francisco Bay Area uh, that replaced an old bridge. And it's talking about the precision of of how they had to construct this bridge and how they even had to use uh it uses an an extremely large cable uh that kind of wraps the whole part of the bridge like as a rubber band and it kind of holds it up. And uh And they were so careful with uh, constructing this bridge when they were dealing with this large cable that they would even use uh, tools and instruments that were softer than the cable fibers so as not to damage the fibers. And so um, they were talking about like with the precision of a surgeon, they put this bridge together. And we can see that when it comes to a very large project, such as building an enormous bridge, or an enormous building. It didn't happen by accident. And the same is true when it comes to the birth of Jesus Christ. Uh, we're not following cunningly devised fables. We're following prophecy that didn't come by the will of man. Okay, It's not something where somebody is making a prophecy of their own. Uh, that came up in their own imagination or their own heart. It's impossible. Um, and I want to share with you an illustration that comes from this book. This is called the case for Christ. It's written by Lee Strobel. Um, you can find this online. Uh, there, the, the copies are fairly cheap on the back. I'm reading us dollar, uh, eight ninety nine, Canadian dollar, eleven ninety nine. Um, if you're a Christian, this is worth a, worth a read. It's very good. Uh, and also if there's somebody in your life that may be interested in Christianity, but quite skeptical still, um, this would make a great Christmas present. And of course, we're not getting any money for that. This is just a book I really enjoyed. And so I thought I would uh, just pass on the value to you. But he talks about in this particular book, um, on page 270 of the copy that I'm looking at right now, they talk about the the coincidence argument where everything that happened in Jesus's life, perhaps it was just a big coincidence. And it says in this book, the odds are so astronomical that it's ruled out that it, was, that it could be a coincidence. Someone did the math and figured out that the probability of just eight prophecies being fulfilled is one chance in 100 million billion. Now, I'm not a mathematician, and I don't quite understand that number. But let me read that again. It said someone did the math and figured out that the probability of just eight prophecies being fulfilled, just eight. Now remember, in the book of Matthew, it cites 53 and it alludes to another 76. But this is just eight prophecies being fulfilled. The number, once again, is 100 million billion. That number is millions of times greater than than the total number of people who've ever walked the planet. This person calculated that if you took this number of silver dollars, silver dollars, of course, or toonies, maybe, here in Canada, but if you took this number of silver dollars and covered the entire state of Texas to the depth of two feet, so imagine if you've ever been to Texas, it's an enormous state. It takes forever to drive from north to south, And from east to west of the borders. So, if you covered the entire state of Texas to two feet uh, depth of silver dollars and you marked just one silver dollar among them, and then had a blindfolded person wander the whole state and bend down to pick up one coin, what would be the odds he'd choose the one that had been marked? And these are the same odds that anybody in history could have fulfilled. Just eight of the prophecies. Prophecy is proof. Prophecy is proof. It says in Acts 8, or sorry, uh, Acts 3 and verse number 18, it, uh, it says, But those things which God before had showed by the mouth of all his prophets, that Christ should suffer, he hath so fulfilled, repent ye therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. And ye shall send Jesus Christ, which before was preached unto you, whom the heaven must receive until the times of restitution of all things, which God hath spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. And And so once again, prophecy is proof. Prophecy many times was used in the preaching as we read in Acts chapter number three in the early church. God loves prophecy. Prophecy is evidence. Prophecy gives proof backwards. So let's just take a few minutes and let's look at our passage in Matthew. And the first one that we see is going to be found in verse number 22, but before we get to that, let's look once again at uh, Matthew one twenty two, and then we we'll, and then we'll and then we'll go on with the prophecies that it that it lists. Why why does God want us to believe the proof of prophecy? Why does God want us to believe the proof of prophecy? We read about it in in, in Acts three, but let's look at our passage once again in the birth of Jesus. It says in verse twenty one, and she shall bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. For he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. God uses the proof of prophecy because he wants to save us from our sin. The whole reason that Jesus came is not to give us a wonderful holiday so that we can have wonderful meals and beautiful decorations and have wonderful time with family and friends. And he didn't come just to give us another religion. He came to save us from our sin. And prophecy points to the person of Jesus Christ and for the purpose of his coming. The Bible says in Isaiah 53 and 11, he shall see of the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied by his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many for he shall bear their iniquities. John three sixteen. for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. The proof of prophecy is so that we can have a mountain of evidence so that we can then take that step of faith and place our faith and trust in Jesus Christ for our salvation, and then go on to live for him with our life. God does not ask that we live by faith without any evidence. He provides ample evidence to the person who is willing to investigate. And so the purpose of prophecy and the purpose of the proof is so that we can be saved. Are you saved Has there ever been a time in your life that you have trusted Christ as your Savior? Has there ever been a time when, as it said in the passage we read in in Acts 3, where it says in verse 19, Repent ye therefore and be converted. Have you ever trusted Christ as your Savior? Are you clinging to a religion? Uh, So many times when I have this conversation with people, they begin to explain how good of a person they are and how hard they try. But if we could be good enough to go to heaven, if we could be good enough to be accepted with God, if we could be sincere enough, if we could be dedicated enough to our families and to good deeds, why did God send Christ? Why does he go through the process of, of prophecy and preserving that prophecy. Why is there the repeated warnings of God to trust in Jesus Christ? The word repent means to turn, to allow the message of the prophecy to change our mind from trusting in ourselves to trusting in Christ. That's the purpose of the prophecy. The purpose of prophecy is so that we believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. You say, Pastor, I've already believed on Jesus Christ. Well, there, there are many who have believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, but, and they believe that prophecy. They believe the message, but they instead choose to live a Christian life that they craft for themselves instead of once again coming to the prophecy of God's word and saying, God, what do you want? How should I act? What should I, how should I live my life? How should I treat others? And, and to walk that walk of faith. So we see that prophecy has a purpose and it's powerful proof. The next thing that we see, number two, is prophecy is precise proof. Now we're going to look at just a few of these prophecies um, in in Matthew chapter one. So let's look at verse number one. It says this, the book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Now, the son of David uh, talks about how that Jesus was of the line of David of the tribe of Judah. Now, this was important because it proves that Jesus came from with the right genealogy. He came from the right line. In and uh, and this was this was uh, the this was prophesied. This was a prophecy in Psalm 132 and verse 10. Let me look up in my Bible here. 132 and verse 10. It says, "For thy servant David's sake, turn not away." The face of thine anointed, in verse 11, the Lord hath sworn in truth unto David. He will not turn from it. Of the fruit of thy body will I set upon thy throne. And then there's another verse in Jeremiah 23 and verse 5. Jeremiah 23 and 5. Now, these are prophecies concerning that the Messiah will sit on the throne of David or that he will come from the line of from the genealogy of David. Now, this is important because there have been many people throughout history that have claimed to be God or claimed to be God's son or claimed to be some kind of deity. And many people uh, throughout history have come up with their own religion and they've tried to get followers. But we can see that through prophecy, we can see that this is the proof that this is the, this is the right way. This is the authentic... Uh, path to God. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. So we can see in Jeremiah, I was in Isaiah, let's go to Jeremiah instead. Jeremiah 23 and 5. It says, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will raise unto David a righteous branch, and a king shall reign and prosper, and shall execute judgment and justice in the earth. Uh, and that is, once again, a prophecy concerning Jesus Christ. And this prophecy was written about 600 years before the time of Christ. In Acts thirteen twenty three, it says, Of this man's seed hath God, according to his promise, raised unto Israel a Savior, Jesus. And in John 7 and 42, it says, Hath not the scripture said that Christ cometh of the seed of David and out of the town of Bethlehem? Where David was. And so the first prophecy that we see in Matthew chapter number one is simply that Jesus had the right lineage. Okay, He came from the line of David. The next thing we see is the virgin birth of Jesus Christ. Now in Matthew 1 and 22, 23, it says, behold, a virgin, oh, let's start in verse 22. Now all of this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. And that is a direct quote from Isaiah 7 and verse 14. So let's look at that one. Isaiah 7 and verse 14. It says, therefore, the Lord Himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and shall bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. And this was written in BC 742. Um, and so that was 750, if we round, 750 years before the birth of Christ. And we can see that all of these prophecies are lining up to give us proof that we can trust the word of God and we can trust Jesus Christ. Um, And so we can see here that this uh, proves the divinity of Jesus. In Philippians 2, 6 through 8, it says, Who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. Being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. We can see here that Mary was a virgin when she gave birth to Jesus Christ, but she did not remain a virgin. She was not a perpetual virgin. If we can trust the prophecy of the scripture that Jesus was born of a virgin, and we can trust the Old Testament prophecy in Isaiah, as well as the scriptures in Matthew and Luke, then we can trust the scriptures in relation to Mary's life going forward. And it says in Matthew 13, through 56, is not this the carpenter's son? Speaking of Jesus, is not his mother called Mary and his brethren, meaning brothers, James and Joseph and Simon and Judas. There's four names there that came from Mary. And it says, and his sisters, are they not all with us? Whence then hath this man... All these things, so Jesus was known to have had brothers and sisters that mother uh, that Mary was his mother, and that these children came from her, so we don't look to Mary or pray to Mary for salvation. The proof does not point to Mary as being the one that we go to in time of need. The proof points to Jesus Christ, the Bible says in Timothy. There is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. One mediator. That mediator is Jesus Christ. So the proof of prophecy points to Jesus Christ. But wasn't it a blessing to see that Mary allowed herself to be used of the Lord as as a servant of God so that that prophecy could be fulfilled? The next thing that we see in the passage is Jesus was born in Bethlehem. It says in Matthew 2 and 1, now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem. And we go back to Micah 5 and 2. Micah 5 and verse number 2. And it says, But thou Bethlehem Ephrata, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee Shall he come forth unto me, that is to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from from of old, from everlasting. So that is a prophecy concerning the Messiah, concerning Jesus Christ. And where was he to be born? He was to be born in Bethlehem. And so it it references that in Matthew 2. It says, yes, Jesus was born in Bethlehem. But now when these wise men, when the Magi came seeking for this new king, the king of the Jews, um, it says right here in the passage that when they're asking, where was he to be born? They said, well, he's supposed to be born in Bethlehem. So it says in verse two, in Matthew two, in verse number two, saying, where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. Now when Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art not the least among the princes of Judah, for out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel." And so we can see here, once again, that uh, the accuracy of the prophecy disturbed Herod the king as it had done, um, as it had disturbed those who choose pride and unbelief. There are so many people that they hear a message like this or they hear about this type of thing where Jesus um, fulfilled all of these many, many prophecies and the statistical impossibility that it's just complete chance, right? Right? Um, and many people respond the way Herod did. They Herod at this time was under the Roman government, but he was in charge of ruling over the area of Judah or Judea. And when he heard about Jesus Christ coming and being born, uh, this King of the Jews, this Messiah, he responded in angry defiance. And an unbelief in the sense where he wanted to protect what was his. You see, here's the thing is that many times we can see where when people hear about Jesus Christ, it's not that there's a lack of proof. It's just that the proof demands a decision that will change your life. Uh, In this book, uh, the author Lee Strobel was talking to a man in that same chapter uh, that I read about. Um, and this guy's name was um, Louis Lepides. Uh He is a, uh, he was a, a man who was Jewish by birth and he trusted Jesus later. And it's interesting. I wanted to read this statement. Um, and he says, uh, because the author, he's interviewing this man and he says, why don't, why don't more Jewish people trust in Jesus. He says, if they, if they trust in him as the Messiah, with all this evidence, it's pretty obvious that he's the Messiah. With all this evidence, are they afraid? Are they going to be ostracized from their culture and from their family and from their friends? And the quote is this. He said, that's definitely a factor. Some people won't let the messianic prophecies grab them because they're afraid of the repercussions potential rejection by their family and the Jewish community. That's not easy to face, believe me, I know. I'm wondering if, as we're going through this study, if you're not allowing the truth to grab you, as, he, as I quote from that book. The evidence is overwhelming, and we've only been through just two or three of these prophecies so far. But we can see where... When Herod realized what was going on, he didn't allow the prophecies to grab him. But actually, he instead chose to defend his own turf. Some people, it doesn't matter how much evidence God gives them. They, they want to live their own life and they don't want to be told what to do. And that's obviously our choice. But for those of us who are seeking for the truth, thank God We have the proof of prophecy. It's interesting when it comes to Herod the King uh, that commentator Albert Barnes gives a couple of points. He said this, number one, wicked people often cloak their evil designs under the appearance of religion. They attempt to deceive those who are really good. Notice in the story, Herod the King told the wise men, he's like, oh, go find him so that I can come and worship him too. One of the objections of Worshiping God is all of the evil that has happened in the world in the name of religion. And that's true, but it's evil people that use religion to their own designs. It's not that religion is false or that following God is false. It wasn't that Jesus, that there was some falsehood in worshiping Jesus because of what Herod did, but instead, it was proof of Herod's wickedness. And so let's not allow people who twist religion for their own aims and their own designs and their own selfishness to scare us away from investigating the truth and the proof of prophecy. The Bible says in Proverbs fifteen three, the eyes of the Lord are in every place beholding the evil and the good and we can see here later in the story that Herod um was this, was uh he was he asked the wise men to find Jesus the wise men come and they find Jesus they're warned in a dream by God and they uh, they leave to their country another way Herod was so angry uh about Herod was so angry that the wise men did not come back and tell him where Jesus was that it says in Matthew 2 and 16, Then Herod, when he saw that he was mocked of the wise men, was exceeding wroth and sent forth and slew all the children that were in Bethlehem and in all the coast thereof from two years old and under, according to the time which he had diligently inquired of the wise men. Then it was fulfilled that which was spoken by Jeremy the prophet, saying, in Ramah was there a voice heard lamentation and weeping and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children and would not be comforted comforted because they are not. And so we can see there that um, this is another prophecy that was fulfilled specifically uh, by Jeremiah, Jeremiah's prophecy from Jeremiah 31 and 15, where it says, Thus saith the Lord, a voice was heard in Ramah lamentation and bitter weeping, Rael, weeping for her children, refused to be comforted for her children because they were not. We could go on and on, and we're just we're just a few verses into Matthew chapter, chapters 1 and 2, and there are several other, uh, one of which is in Matthew 2 and 13, where it says that uh, in order to escape the wrath of Herod, Joseph takes Jesus and Mary into Egypt, and they live there for a bit, And then they come out, um, and it says uh, that when he arose, in verse 14 and 15, he took the young child and his mother by night, departed into Egypt, and was there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt have I called my son, and that verse is found in Hosea 11 and verse 1. When Israel was a child, then I loved him and called my son out of Egypt. I want you to notice, lastly, this one. Prophecy is quiet proof. God doesn't expect us to choose faith without proof, but it is not found in the noisiness, uh, in the busyness of life. Notice that everything in Herod's court was going on, the Roman government was doing whatever they were doing with this census. Uh, So many people were coming into Bethlehem at the birth of Jesus Christ, and yet quietly behind the scenes to those who were paying attention Prophecy after prophecy was being fulfilled. The Roman Empire had no no idea, nor did they care. The Jewish King Herod really did not care other than just to defend his kingdom. But God still speaks to us in a still, small voice. We are often like children where the big, shiny, loud things capture our attention while the smaller, quieter, consistent, important things Pass by unnoticed. Will you listen to the quiet proof of prophecy? How should we respond? We should respond in faith. We should respond in belief. And not that we just believe that it happened or we believe that the proofs are lining up, but true belief prompts us to action. It says, God says of his son in Matthew 17:5. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. And Jesus says in Revelation 3.20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him, and he with me. Let's take a moment and we'll pray, but let's see that God gives us proof, the proof of prophecy. And we've just given you just a few short four or five here. Today. But what should it do? It should prompt us, number one, to believe in Jesus Christ as our Savior. If you've never trusted Christ as our Savior, there's no better time than right now. Could it be that God and His sovereignty orchestrate has orchestrated everything uh, in your life and all the circumstances with COVID and, and and whatever's happening in your family and in your job to the point where you're quiet enough. And you've slowed down enough so that you will take the quiet proof of prophecy seriously and you can trust Christ as your Savior. How do you do that? You have to admit that you're a sinner, that you're in need of a Savior. You can't save yourself. You cannot uh, somehow be a good enough person to be accepted with God. The judgment day is coming. God will judge every person who has ever lived. And he will judge them in a righteous judgment. And those of us who have placed our faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone and his sacrifice of what he did on the cross will stand before the Lord justified and clean and forgiven. And those of us who have not will stand before him guilty and we will have to suffer due punishment for our sin. We have to believe that we're a sinner, we have to believe the proof. Of the prophecy points that we must believe that we're sinners. We must believe that Jesus was sent for the purpose of dying on the cross and rising from the dead to show us that he has victory over sin. And if you have never done that, then reach out to him today. Come to him in your heart. The Bible says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved allow the proof of prophecy to push you into the presence of Christ and say Jesus I believe will you save me if you need any help with that please consider reaching out to us the second thing is if you are if you're a believer the proof of prophecy should continually strengthen your faith in God continually strengthen your faith in God continue to trust God with whatever is going on in your life don't Lean to your own understanding, as it says in Proverbs three, five, and six, but continue to trust God. We can see in the Christmas story there were those who decided to refuse the proof of prophecy, and those who allowed God to strengthen their faith through the fulfillment of prophecy, and they grew in faith. Um, in the, they grew in faith to Jesus Christ. Guys, thanks so much for listening. Let's pray and we will be finished for today. Father, thank you so much for this opportunity to preach your word. Thank you for the proof of prophecy. I pray if there's somebody here today listening to this recording that have never trusted you as their Savior, I pray that you would um, just reinforce this truth. Give them the faith to reach out to to Jesus Christ for their salvation. May they be saved today. And Father, I pray for those of us who are Christians, I pray that the proof of prophecy would reinforce the path that we're on, that following you and living by faith and trying to please you is, is the right way, regardless of how many people are not doing this. God, I pray that you would just continue to build our faith. Thank you for your kindness and your goodness in our life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Guys, thanks so much for listening, and we will see you next time.